Welcome to CoreCentric Conversations, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of CoreCentric Conversations, leveraging e-invoicing to improve cash flow while building business resilience. I'm Kelly Barner, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Today, my guest is Lee Allen, Senior Vice President of Order to Cash for EMEA at CoreCentric. Lee came to CoreCentric as a founding director of NetSend Limited, a company acquired by CoreCentric in February of 2019. Having over 25 years of sales and management experience in a tech-based B2B, Lee is an active contributor to the credit management profession. He speaks regularly at credit forums, trade fairs, and exhibitions, and produces thought leadership pieces for trade magazines and websites. He is a member of the International Credit and Trade Finance Association and holds non-executive director positions with both the Association of International Credit Directors and the Association of Credit for Central and Eastern Europe. Welcome, Lee. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kelly. Nice to be here. So you and I are having this conversation at a truly unique time in world history, right? Countries, industries, companies, things are just gradually starting to reopen after the unprecedented shutdowns implemented to mitigate the human impact of the coronavirus pandemic. And unfortunately, while we have succeeded, thank goodness, in saving many human lives, business operations have not been quite as fortunate. Uh, so from your perspective, and, and given the level of insight and community engagement that I shared in your biography, can you just tell me quickly about some of the things that you've either read or observed that illustrate the challenges that companies worldwide are facing as they've had to try to go completely virtual overnight? Yeah, I think that um, you know, the, the rapid transition to remote working uh, really tested a lot of the business continuity plans that people had prepared. And I think it's fair to say it probably exposed a few of the gaps between oh, yes. the theory of that plan and, and the execution of it. Um, I think a lot of them had never been practiced in the real world. Um, and typically, I guess, business continuity touches on people, processes, and technology, but maybe not all three of those are equally focused on and considered mm. um, in the application to, to, the re, to the real world. So I think a lot of what I was hearing um, from, my, from my clients and from some of the uh, sort of panels and webinars I've been on is that um, companies just weren't fully prepared really to, to fully, uh, completely work remotely. Um, maybe they prepared for part of the business to work remote, but not for the sort of whole-scale fundamental flip that, that happened for, for everybody. And the other thing is that those people that had already embraced cloud solutions or had functions that they were outsourcing to others, they seemed to be in better shape than, than other people. The transition was was just that little bit easier. And, of course, in, in my world, a very good example is um, invoice distribution. So companies that had based their distribution model around physical equipment, um, you know, printers and folder inserters and, and that sort of stuff. But suddenly, staff didn't have access to those facilities. Uh, they're all in an office and all the staff are based at home. So it, it tended to be a sort of all-hands-to-the-pump exercise in order just to get invoices out the door. Um, and that's a very sort of practical, material way in, in which 
people were impacted. And with the distribution, particularly via post, it's something of a double whammy because even if you do manage to envelope it and send it, you're sending it to an office which is now currently unoccupied. That's right. That means there's nobody there to open the invoice and to process it and ultimately to make sure it gets paid. That's what I'm hearing a lot of. I think that um, necessity being the mother of invention seems to be uh, quite prevalent where a lot of companies had to sort of um, jump some hurdles and overcome some challenges in order to make it work. And some are obviously, it's inevitable, some people have been more successful at that than others. Well, and it's interesting because digital transformation in any part of the business isn't new, right? It's something we've been talking about for years. And yet, even when you connect the idea of investing in digital transformation, or as you said, cloud solutions, when we think about why those investments were made, typically the rationale was around efficiency, around, you know, having a centralized pool of data that could be accessed, you know, never, at least in, in my reading or conversations, have I met anybody that said, yes, of course, we're investing in digital transformation. And we're doing that because what if, what if someday everybody in the world suddenly overnight had to work from their kitchen table, right? And we want to be prepared for that. And it points out the importance of the business case and the driving objectives behind any of these things that we we invest in as either a function or as an entire enterprise. And so I'm curious, as we sort of flip the reasons and the expectations of digital transformation over to a completely new scenario, would you say that some of the barriers to adoption that have come up previously that have kept companies from fully embracing the notion of e-invoicing or fully implementing all the robust functionality of these solutions. In our new paradigm, do you think some of the adoption or implementation barriers are being removed simply because of the current experience that we're all working through? I don't think any of the barriers to entry suddenly got easier. I don't think the barriers lowered. I think just the need to clear them um, yeah, became became more urgent. It became more mm-hmm. necessary. So people are, are maybe uh, yeah, doubling down or redoubling on their efforts to, to do those sort of things. But all of the challenges that, that existed pre-pandemic are still there. You know, I always say that we, we haven't built anything magical, but it took us 15 years of, of listening to a broad range of clients in order to um, yeah, build the necessary variables that support market needs and so if you're looking at building a, a project in-house there's quite a there's quite a project involved in analyzing all of your exceptions and then building out a, a solution that meets them and and that barrier is still there you know mm. uh, but because it's necessary people are, are maybe more prepared to throw the resource at it that's necessary now if we think about uh, these conversations that have potentially happened in the past. And as you're saying, you know, barriers may still exist. May, they may, in fact, even be more challenging to an implementation effort. Let's say that someone listening to us right now is either in procurement, finance, accounts payable, and they had been a party to these conversations in the past, trying to win the executive team over to the need, the business case, to invest in any invoicing. And previously, it was deemed to not be something that the enterprise was completely prepared to get behind, other than obviously it being ill-advised to go in and say, told you so, if you had just listened to me back then, we wouldn't be dealing with a lot of the pain that we're facing right now. 
how would you suggest that an individual, a leader, or a team sort of reintroduce the notion of how it's important either to help us bridge through this very time of unexpected transition that we're going through as we try to bring things back online, or to help the enterprise deal with the new normal that we're not entirely sure about, but that we all know is coming? How would you bring those conversations back up? Yeah, well, I think um, traditionally the approach for accounts receivable, you know, one of their main functions is about, uh, is about getting paid. And so people have been looking at uh, e-billing solutions as a way to augment that process. Uh, I, I think even today, you know, the number one reason for not paying an invoice is, is to say you've never received it. So where you've got a, an audit trail where you can prove receipt because it's been sent electronically, that, that's definitely going to help. And, of course, the other thing is just uh, speed of delivery. Um, so if you send an invoice today via email, your customer receives it today, and then they can flag up any discrepancy or dispute, and you can resolve it quicker. Um, so all things being equal, you know, you, you get to a payment situation a lot, a lot sooner. So that's been a sort of traditional uh, argument. And when people have looked at it, you have to build a business case. People want to know, you know, what's the return on this investment, uh, what's the give-get scenario here, and all of the uh, metrics around improving that efficiency are kind of soft benefit. You know, you can't really put a, a dollar amount on on what you're going to get back from, from this initiative. But I think in light of, of what we've been through and the sort of this new dynamic that, you know, you need to have uh, some robustness in this business-critical process, I think the business case subtly moves from not you know, what is the cost of doing this? But it actually becomes, what's the cost of not doing this? Yeah. And that, that's probably the bigger scenario. We talk a lot about you can motivate people by having them run towards a brighter um, future. But people are more motivated by running away from a scarier yesterday. <laughs> um, you know, and so, so that might be the key to how you sort of start thinking about how you represent this opportunity um, to leadership teams. And we're seeing very real evidence on a day-to-day -day basis. You, you talk about what's the cost of not doing this. Um, you know, when we think about the relationships that we have with our suppliers, obviously they want to be paid as soon as we are willing to pay them once a, a product or, or service has been delivered. And now more than ever with some of the cash flow and capital constraints that companies have, that's absolutely essential to them staying in business just as much as their delivery of product and service is to us keeping our operations going. Are you finding that this notion of either becoming a customer of choice or learning that where you thought you were a good customer, maybe your payment timing has positioned you as not being viewed as a customer of choice. Is there a supplier relationship aspect that we need to factor into this whole understanding of what the cost is of not having efficient invoicing processes and technology? Yeah, I think that touches a good point, actually, because there's, there's an entire opportunity that, that that's largely been missed there, which is about the uh, the experience between a buyer and the supplier, uh, that sort of engagement um, space. So I think that there's plenty of studies that have shown, for instance, that the most touched document that comes into a business is an invoice. So it's a key touch point for, for any sort of connectivity. And when you look at uh, where companies have been sort of deploying their resource and their energy, 
Um, it's been around sort of web stores and the ordering process. And if you're in that ordering process, you get a chat box and you can speak to a, a customer representative that will help you through the, the purchasing side of the transaction. Uh, and there's loads of interactions, loads of engagement. If you look at accounts receivable, that's largely not been addressed. But it, if you if you believe the report that says this is the, the kind of the key touch point, then doing that well is going to become uh, one of those competitive environment uh, differentiators. Um, we say the guy that makes it easy is the guy that gets the deal. So, you know, are you making accounts receivable easy for your buyer? Um, are you using the internet to uh, let your buyer see their invoices, see their copy invoices, raise queries on those invoices, you know, perhaps even pay those invoices inside that environment? So I think that's a that's an entirely separate tranche of benefit that you could have um, by implementing an e-billing solution. And it creates a closer uh, bond between the supplier and the buyer, which means you know you should get a sort of preferential payment status um, and you, you're just easier to do business with, really. Now, as we stay on this idea of the the cost of not investing in e-invoicing, either from the the buyer or supplier side, if we if we think sort of forward looking, and you know, right now we don't have a very long visibility horizon, but I think everybody does have some sense that you know, as this easing continues and in some parts of the world even picks up steam, there is going to be a future that we're working to, and a day will come when we're no longer so much concerned about entrenching to get through the next 24 hours, 48 hours, seven days, 30 days. And we're actually looking at, at fueling growth again. What do you think are the benefits of e-invoicing once we start to reposition and we're no longer so worried about being protective, but we're actually looking towards, you know, continuing to remove that friction associated with paper-based or paper-reliant processes so that our company is actually positioned for growth after the downturn has been passed. What would you say there? Well, I guess growth, uh, supporting growth is all about um, scalability, you know, and making sure your processes and procedures are robust enough that they can withstand uh, some acceleration. So, uh, again, one of the sort of benefits of getting this organized and getting this sorted out um, is you, know, you, you, you create the blueprint today for, for the growth pattern of tomorrow. And electronic invoicing is far easier to, to ramp than, than print post. Um, you know, uh, print post equipment is rated to a certain volume. When you exceed that volume, then you're looking at the reliability and speed of the machine. So you, it takes a capital investment to get, to get better equipment to, to handle the volume. Once you build a, a giant electronic invoicing pipeline, you can just keep on uh, yeah, increasing the volume of documents that go through there. So if you get it right from the outset, it will ramp and grow and scale you know, with the business. Um, and I guess that you know, one of the advantages of, of outsourcing that process is you make that someone else's problem. You know, they, they have to get the bigger boat. And I like that idea of the, the, you know, today we're drawing the blueprint that's going to chart the path to growth tomorrow. And we do need to have that simultaneous short-term and longer-term view in mind with any of the changes we make, any of the challenges that we face, and any of the plans that we put in place that we're going to be working with for years to come. 
So Lee, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your, your point of view on these very unusual circumstances. Uh, not a problem at all. Thank you for having me. And thank you as well to everyone who listened in today. Tune into our next CoreCentric conversation for more insight into the topics of most important to spend management professionals. Until next time. Thanks for joining this CoreCentric conversation, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. We hope you found our discussion useful. With each episode, it's our goal to give you insight on how to lead change your organisation. Get started by visiting us at corecentric.com. That's C-O-R-C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot com.